Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations on the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Hello, welcome in to another exciting episode of Sports Tonight College Football. I'm Jim Johnson, and there's my partner, Mike Lowe. Mike, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing good, Jim. It's finally starting to feel like summer out here in Portland. Uh, it's um, you know been in the 80s this week, and um, you know, even by Northwest standards, it was a very cold and rainy spring. So um, it's good to good to have some sunshine. Well, we're in the mid-90s here in eastern Carolina, so, uh, you know, we got a little <laughs> little farther edge, but it's technically it's summer, right? So, got to go with that. That's right. That's right. Well, today we're going to talk uh, part two of our preview series uh, about the Big Ten. We covered the East last week, so now we're going to cover the West. Do you think that makes sense? And, uh, boy, Mike, the, the West last year was really, really competitive. Um, not as entertaining as it might be if you like offense, but it was still very competitive. Wisconsin's missed the boat in the last couple of years, and we got used to seeing them just about every season in the Big Ten championship game. How do you like their chances of getting back to the top of the West? Yeah, um, you know, I'll, I'll just go back to what you said at the start, that, um, you know, it was a, a very competitive division, an offensively challenged division, I think it's full of teams that tend to uh, punch a little bit above their weight class um, when you look at uh, where they're located, how they recruit, how they're able to recruit. Um, you know, they, they really do seem to get the most bang for their buck. And, uh, you know, I'll, just one last thing, uh, that this is probably going to be the last season where we're actually talking about divisions in the Big Ten. And so I, I, I think for a lot of these teams, because the West has generally been the weaker division, um, you know, they, they may not be so happy to see this format come to an end because, um, you know, again, uh, you have a wide open field. It's pretty much, I think, uh, a very similar uh, headed into this season, what we saw to last season. Um, you have as many, I believe, as four teams that uh, would have a legitimate shot to claim that division. Now, going back to Wisconsin, uh, they do seem to be the betting favorite as uh, I kind of look around and see what everybody else thinks. Um, I'm not so sure that. Uh, they have, uh, you know, last season, uh, they had the number one defense in college football in terms of yards per game allowed. Uh, but they lost some guys. And so, I, you know, especially at linebacker, um, you know, with um, you know, Chanel and Sanborn both off to the NFL. And you've also got, uh, you know, some holes to fill at cornerback. They did bring in some uh, guys off the portal. Uh, a safety, which, you know, has to be killing their defensive coordinator, Jim Leonard, you know, right. former, uh, former, you know, very good NFL safety. Yes, he has been a couple seasons with the Ravens. Um, you know, he's one of the best in the business. And so he's, uh, you know, actually was quoted as saying, you know, he's a little concerned about the safety depth on his team. So we'll see if they can replicate that defense. And they might have to because offensively, uh, 
You know, they, they run the ball well. They've always ran the ball well. They did it pretty well last season. Um, but then you've got, uh, you know, the quarterback position was, uh, it was, you know, Graham Mertz. And there were just times where he looked more like Fred Mertz out there. Um <laughs> And I'm glad you get that reference. I, I, I am so people. glad that's, yeah, that you get that reference. I don't know that many people would. Um, but, you know, he, no, he, he wouldn't he want to play quarterback, Fred Mertz. Yeah. I, and it, you know, not, not to pile on the guy. He was actually, you know, coming out of high school, I think he was the highest rated quarterback recruit Wisconsin has ever had. You know, four-star kid, big arm, makes all the throws. Uh, but just the consistency and the struggles with accuracy, um, just, uh, you know, he, he just isn't able to put it all together. And whether that comes down to his mechanics, uh, whether it's the offense, um, you know, we'll see. If it was the offense, then, you know, maybe things will change because they got Bobby Engram now uh, from the Ravens, who uh, is going to be their new offensive coordinator. And, it does sound like they want to open things up a little bit more, but again, they're going to need Mertz to be a lot more accurate uh, than he's been in the past. I, um, but the running game, uh, you know, they've got Braylon Allen back, and uh, he had a terrific season last year. Where do you and see so, him in, in, in the pantheon of, of running backs across the nation? Do you think because he's only a sophomore? He had 1,200-something yards yeah. as a freshman, uh, and he's a big, big young man. Uh, do you guy, see him yeah. as, as somebody who just threatened to be one of the top runners in the nation this year? I, I think he could be, you know, when you when you look at, uh, you know, their offense. And, of course, you know, you can't talk about Wisconsin without talking about their offensive line. And, you know, I think that should be a very solid unit again this year. Um, I think the three interior line positions, they should be outstanding. Maybe a little bit of question marks with regards to uh, the experience level at the two tackles. Um, you know, one, they've got some shifting of positions that they're going to have to do uh, this season. But I, I would suspect, you know, they get it done every year. And Wisconsin, and so I, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, I think uh, you know Braylon Allen. He is set up uh, because again, like you said, he he was uh, it was just over eleven hundred yards, and he didn't even play the full season. I think it was like the fourth or fifth game where he finally took over as the lead wow. back. And so you know, yeah. Um, so you know, I I think he can have an outstanding season um, as long as defenses have to have a little bit of respect for their passing game. And so they can't, you know, totally stack the box. Um, you know, again, they're going to go as far as Graham Mertz will take them. I, I think that's what it comes down to for the Badgers. Well, the team that edged them out for the division championship last year, the Iowa Hawkeyes, um, they have a lot of guys back. But that could be kind of a mixed blessing because uh, having a lot of guys back on offense may not be the most exciting thing they could do because they literally had one of the worst offenses in the nation last year, along with one of the better defense. Exactly. Yeah, and you know, in a lot of ways, in their philosophy, they're kind of a clone of Wisconsin. They've always leaned on their uh, running game, their offensive line. Um, you know, they uh, they had a good line last year, and you know, Tyler Goodson. You know, when you look at the numbers, you'd say, oh, the guy had a pretty good season, but he had a lot of uh, negative 
rushing yard attempts. Uh, I think you know a total of 103 yards in uh, negative uh, rushes, and yeah, and and he he lost a lot on first down. And when you've got an offense like Iowa's, and again they just got so little production out of the quarterback position. Um, you know, whether, whether it was Spencer Petras or, uh, Padilla, they just didn't get very much at all out of their quarterbacks. And so you can't put pressure on the quarterbacks. You got to get yards on first down and, uh, you know, stay on schedule as they like to say, um, you know, they didn't do that. Um, and, their offense was just flat out dreadful. Yeah, they were they were among the very worst in all of FBS. I think they ranked somewhere in the hundreds. Um, you know, Tyler Goodson is gone, so you know we'll see what they can do at the running back position. They've also had a change over, um, you know, just like Wisconsin at offensive coordinator. Uh, now you've got Kirk Ferentz's son Brian, who is taking over. Um, you know, he was coaching. I think either line or the tight ends before, but then uh, you know now he's working with the quarterbacks and basically calling the plays on offense. Uh, certainly, some consternation among the fan base I've heard over that decision. Um, yeah, you know I, I think they were kind of hoping to get an outside voice to come in there and shake things up a bit. Um, you know we'll have to see. Uh, I don't see where the improvement comes on offense. The great thing about Iowa is they had a terrific defense last year. I think they were um, number 13 in uh, points per game allowed, 16th in yards per game, and they returned just about everybody. And so, you know, there's every reason to believe they'll be just as good, if not better, on defense. Their special teams is always very good. So I, I think Iowa's – they ought to be able to hang around in just about every game they're in. It's just a question of whether or not they're going to be able to get the plays they need on offense to score enough points. Well, and they get Wisconsin at home on November 12th, and that, that could be the big game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they always do well at home. Um, you know, Kinnick Stadium, is that's one of the toughest places to play in college football. Now, the surprising team last year, at least to some people, was Purdue and uh, how competitive they were. Um, They've done a you know a good job under uh, Jeff Brom, and was it? Do you think they were uh, kind of was it one of those years where just everything kind of fell in place and they'll fall back to the pack, or do you think they were built to stay competitive and uh, or one of the teams, one of the four that you said it was a real threat to win that division? Yeah, yeah, I I think they're still in the mix. Um, you know, I I love what Jeff Brom has done there, and uh, you know, he didn't necessarily have uh, a single quarterback last season. It was uh, yeah, Jack Plummer, and then Aiden O'Connell, and I, I think they actually had a third quarterback that took some snaps for him as well. But I, you know, I um, was reading, and basically the three quarterbacks put together. Um, broke Drew Brees's school record for completions in a season. Wow! And yeah, and so you know they do also uh, have some losses at the wide receiver position. David Bell, um, you know, he's moved on, but they got a couple of transfers. Uh, actually, 
two transfers from Iowa. So talking about Iowa's offense, you know, these two guys are probably going to think they hit the lottery now going to Purdue. But Aiden O'Connell is back at quarterback, and I think he did a good, solid job for them last year. So offensively, I like Purdue. Uh, defensively, they return most of their starters uh, from last season. Uh, they do have to replace George Karloftis, their big star. Um, you know, he was their big playmaker there, the sack, sack guy. And so, you know, that'll be kind of crucial for them. Um, but they do have a lot of depth uh, on their defensive line, returning experience there. And so, yeah, um, I think. You know, Purdue is is kind of here to stay as far as that pack of teams uh, that are going to compete to win the uh, West Division in this final year of the West Division. Well, and looking at the numbers, uh, they were fifth in the nation last year in passing and 127th in rushing, which there are not many more than 127 schools in Division One. Yeah, I, so yeah, there, I think bad. there were only three. <laughs> Yeah, so, so uh, yeah. they probably need to balance that out a little more, don't they? Uh, sure, yes. You know, especially when you're playing in the Big Ten. Right. Um, you know, you, you do want to be multidimensional, um, and you, you do want to be able to, you know, get some production out of your ground game. So I, I do think that they need to improve in that area for sure. And, um, you know, they, they do have, uh, you know, their – main running back returning. We'll see about the offensive line. I think, uh, you know, they do have three guys back. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, um, We'll see about the O-line. Well, in looking at their schedule, they have uh, back-to-back games at Wisconsin and home against Iowa. Yeah. But they have a week off in between, too. So. Yeah. The thing I like about Purdue, they get the, uh, you know, and when we're talking about these West Division teams, it's all about the crossover games, really, I think. And right. their crossover games, they open the season um, Thursday, September 1st, against Penn State at home. And, um, you know, Penn State... You know, maybe they'll be a ranked team, uh, but you know, Purdue over the years has proven to be a giant killer at home. Um, you know, I kind of like you talk about how you don't want to be a ranked team headed into Iowa. Well, after Iowa, the worst pace in the Big Ten to go as a ranked team might be Purdue. Um, and their other two crossover games are at Maryland and at Indiana. So that's that's about as soft as you're going to be able to get in terms of uh, you know a big te- big West team for your East Division crossovers. So uh, I think that definitely favors them. Well, uh, going down the line here, a team that really interests me, and I'm, I want to park on the, him for a minute, is Nebraska. Mm-hmm. They had an, an amazing season last year, and I say that not in a good way. You know, they were three and nine, which sounds really bad. They lost every single game by single digits. It was, yeah, I think it was... Yeah, eight of those losses... Had. Eight of those losses were by eight points or less. You yeah. know, so one, you know, one position. by nine, and that was yeah. Ohio State. Ohio State. And, you know, I think they actually led... And you, if you yeah. look at that, you know, they, were, they either led or were tied in the fourth quarter of a lot of those games. Um... And, you know, these these were not light opponents. You, you mentioned wow. Ohio State, Michigan, uh, Michigan State. They played at Oklahoma. Um, just crazy. And, um, it, you know, it seemed like they had a knack for just making the mistakes at the worst time. 
Um, and, you know, the, the guy that got a lot of the blame, unfairly so, I think, uh, was their, their quarterback, Taylor Martinez, who transferred to Kansas State. So he's not there. Um, they actually got Casey Thompson from Texas. Um, you know, we'll see how much of an upgrade that is. But, you know, uh, their special teams were horrible, and that was kind of a Scott Frost hallmark ever since he got to Nebraska, not just last season. But you can point to a number of games over his tenure there that they lost because of special teams. So their special teams was terrible. Offensively, yeah, they they did make some bad mistakes at crucial moments um, you know, that cost them some games as well. Um, you know, I think the thing that people tend to overlook, uh, you know, while their defense wasn't bad, I think both of their lines, their offensive and defensive lines, were not good last season. That's hard and, to believe in Nebraska. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you, you, you know, I, th- this is not the Nebraska of Tom Osborne or even Bo Pelini anymore. Um, but they've got some players there, so they should be able to do better than this. You know, Scott Frost, um, you know, everybody thought he was a goner and he and he's back. But you know he's a coach on his last legs because he does what a coach on his last legs always does, which is fire half his staff and replace him. I, I think every single offensive member of his staff is gone. Um, he brought in Mark Whipple to be the offensive coordinator who was at Pitt last season. So he coached Kenny Pickett, you know maybe one of the best quarterbacks in, you know, college football. Too bad he couldn't bring probably, Kenny Pickett. Probably somewhere, you know, he's probably in most people's top three or four. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, uh, uh, Whipple, uh, he, he kind of resigned from that position. And so it's like, well, you know, why would you leave that? Is because, you know, Kenny Pickett's gone and go to Nebraska. Uh, yeah, that's that just seemed a little weird to me, but you know, we'll see. Um but he did actually um, replace his special teams coach, too. We'll see if that makes a difference. Uh, it it yeah. seems to me like they just need to kind of uh, cut their losses on Scott Frost, get somebody in there who's going to change the culture and kind of bring that discipline in there of not making these critical mistakes at, at moments where you just can't make a mistake if you want to win games. Um, but yeah, that was that was quite a remarkable season they had last year, and like wow. I said, not in a good way. But wow. you know, I, I think the outside <clears throat> outside eyes, you know, people will look at that and they'll be like, "Well, they were so close against all these really good teams." But it's like the fact that this just kept consistently happening to them over and over tells me there's something wrong there, and I, I don't think that that's something that can really be fixed simply by replacing some of the assistant coaches. That kind of thing really gets into your culture or, or exposes your culture. Precisely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's hard to get that, you know, kind of root that out of there without just really undergoing wholesale changes. We'll see. You know, maybe, maybe, you know, and, and the other thing is, you know, what would be good enough for Scott Frost to keep his job this season. I mean, I really don't know. So I'll ask you, what do you think would be good enough? I don't know. Me? I don't know. I mean, they've got at the rock bottom, I think, of 6-6 six and six and getting a crappy bowl game. But uh, I mean, that's, that that's the bottom of But yeah. I don't know that even that'll be good. I don't know either. I'm not, and that, yeah. Yeah, that brings me to a, a bigger question. And don't mind if I park here for a minute or two. 
I'm sure you remember when Frank Solich was the coach. I think he's the one who replaced Osborne, if I'm remembering this correctly, right? Yep. Yeah, um, Osborne, Frank Solich, and then um, um, Pope Pelini. Yeah. And then they fired Solich because they said, you know, they, they were tired of going nine and three every year, right? Yeah. And I don't think yeah. they've gone nine and three since then, have they? Probably, maybe. A oh, year no. Well, so Pope Pelini always Pelini. won. He won, he won either nine or ten games every season he was there. Um, I think they were still one kind of longing for the Tom Osborne era yeah. where, you know, they were in the national championship discussion almost every year. And, uh, you know, Bo Pelini was, he was, to put it nicely, a little rough around the edges. And, you know, that may not play with the friendly Nebraska crowd. Um, you know, so he, he kind of rubbed them the wrong way there. Um, but, you know, then they, you know, then there was Mike Riley from Oregon. They He replaces Pelini and, you know, he's, the consummate nice guy. Uh, so, you know, in terms of personality, he's a polar opposite of Bo Pelini, but, you know, he kind of peaked at Oregon State and, you know, just isn't the kind of guy who's going to be able to get, uh, you know, something done where you've got maybe not quite the resources, but the expectations are still pretty high. Um much higher and you know so then they, you have you know the favorite son scott frost the the uh lincoln native and you know national championship quarterback coming off that unbeaten season at ucf and you know i you know they just thought they hit the jackpot you know oh, yeah. at the right time when they it's hired him and, yeah. Yeah, yeah you know the, it seems like these things just end up working out badly when you you know, kind of bring back one of your past heroes to sort of, you know, be the coach. It's it's like, you know, a lot of Orioles fans wonder, it's like, well, why don't you try to see if Cal Ripken wants to manage the team or Jim Palmer? He sounds so smart on television. You know, he, he could whip these guys into shape. Nah, you, yeah, you don't yeah. really want to. You don't want to do that. Just don't go there. Well, and, and that ties into my next question, Mike, that, you know, I, I think – you know, in, in leadership, one of the most important things a leader does is to define reality. And I think in the leadership of an athletic director, one of the most crucial things they define is where is the realistic expectation for my football program? Now, you know, back in the day, 9-3 and three was a disappointment for Nebraska. So you've got Trev Alberts there who was part of some of those great teams. Yeah. Boy, is it, isn't it hard to see him resign himself to saying, you know, maybe we need to be happy with eight and four on a consistent basis? Because, you know, Tom Osborne's not walking in that door again. And even if he did, it, it wouldn't be the same. Sometimes the game changes away from, from certain schools, and it looks like it's moved away from Nebraska. It sure does. And, you know, I. I don't interact often with Nebraska fans, um, but, you know, from what I've, I've seen and heard about them, you know, they're some of the best in, in football. And I get the impression that some of them, you know, at least some of them are starting to accept the reality that, you know, the Tom Osborne era is a bygone era. Uh, the current era of college football is a different one that makes it a lot more challenging for them to do what they did you know, even under Frank Solich and Bo Pelini. 
um, whether or not they're going to accept that when they hear it from the AD is another matter. Um, you know, I think what they want to hear from, you know, the AD and the, you know, the football coach and everybody associated with the program is, you know, we're going to do everything we can to get back where we were. Now, if they don't necessarily do that, you know, then they understand. But if they want to hear that they are going to try, they're going to make the investments necessary. I mean, you know, they sell out every game. Uh, they're in the Big Ten, you know, so they're, they've got that Big Ten money coming in there. The financial support ought to be there. It's just a matter of, you know, obviously they have to recruit nationally. Uh, that's tough uh, because you're going against a lot of other schools, um, you know, who invade these hotbeds, you know, Florida, Texas, California, all, all the hotbeds, because you're just not going to get too many people out of Lincoln, Nebraska. I don't know that they've really made that many inroads into some of the Midwestern states since they joined the Big Ten. Um, you know, that I, I, I always wondered, you know, why people thought that, because to me, that never really seemed to bear out. Um, I think they did a lot better, you know, recruiting in places like Texas and California, Florida. And so that I think that's what they have to focus on. And you're just not going to get the top guys year in and year out to go to Nebraska. And so, you know, you got to be able to do what the Wisconsin's and then the Iowa's are doing. You know, they recruit generally in the 30s, maybe, you know, 30 or so. Um, but like I said, they just went the results more often than not. They seem to punch above their weight class. And so what they do is they just have a philosophy of an identity. This is who we are and we're going to stick to it. You look at Iowa. Kirk Ferentz has been there for since 1999. You know, after he left the Ravens, he went straight there and, you know, he's been there ever since. Wisconsin, um, you know, they've had some coaching changes, but it all started with Barry Alvarez. And after he left coaching, he went and he was the athletic director there. And he made sure that whoever was in charge of that football program stuck to that philosophy. And that now he's moved on. Yeah, exactly. And he's moved on now, but still, you know, Wisconsin is, that's their identity. Right. We know who they I are. Don't, yeah. I don't see that with Nebraska um, sure. right now. And so, you know, they, they don't seem to, you know, really have that identity. They're, you know, what is your DNA? What are you going to do? Who do you want to be? And how are you going to be the best at that that you can be? Um, so I think, I think it's probably time for a change there. Um, what it's going to take to get there or, you know, how much longer they're going to stick with Scott Frost, I don't know. Well, and, uh, you know, you talk about identity. Uh, let's look in, in the last few minutes where we got the other three schools to talk about. Minnesota seems to be developing a bit of an identity. Yeah, so, they were. Like, where are you both, baby? They, they're coming on. Precisely. And uh, he, he, uh, he's a guy, his personality wouldn't work at a lot of places, but he's just right for Minnesota. And I'm glad we get to touch on him because, uh, you know, Minnesota is uh, another school that I think would be, uh, ought to be in the mix, um, you know, to go ahead and, you know, they, they were very close last year. They've got to um, be able to throw the ball. They don't yeah. throw the ball well at all. Well, that, you know what? We, that's 
uh, other than maybe Purdue, that's pretty much the story for all these Big Ten yeah. West teams. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, they do have to get a lot more production out of their passing game. Uh, they're fantastic at running back. Uh, at running back, um, you know, they got Muhammad Ibrahim, who pretty much missed all of last season. He'll be back healthy. Um, but they do need to get more out of their passing game. They brought back um, Ken Chiraca as, as the offensive uh, coordinator there. Um, yeah, he'd been with P.J. Fleck ever since Western Michigan, and um, he left after 2019. 2019 was the year they went 11-2. and And so uh, he's back now. And so, you know, the hope is maybe they can get their offense really going again. Um, they need to do that. Despite that, you know, they were still, you know, the final week of the season uh, last year, uh, you know, they were still in the mix to uh, win the Big Ten West. Um, and they took I like Minnesota. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I, I, I like Minnesota. I think that those four schools, and I have a favorite, and I'll save if you want. We can save it for the end as we'll to who I think it'll be. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I, I think Minnesota is going to be there. What's happened to Northwestern? Has, has well, Patrick Fitzgerald lost his touch, or is it just kind of a brief dry spell? I, I think it's uh, Northwestern has uh, uh, some challenges. Obviously, they have their you know the academic standards uh, that they have to deal with, and they they had a tough season um, you know at the line of scrimmage uh, last year. I think that was a problem for them, and you know it's it's. You know, just another school that consistently seems to punch above their weight class because they have an identity. They know who they are. Pat Fitzgerald, he's been there for, gosh, he's probably somewhere in the top five in terms of tenured coaches at his current school. Um, But, you know, they did have a big drop-off last year. 17th Uh, year. This was been a 17th year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, hey, I remember watching him play linebacker when uh, that one season when they just came out of nowhere and went to the Rose Bowl. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, exactly, yeah. You know, um, I, I they they did make, uh, they did win the division. Uh, you know, they had uh, two out of three years there just a little while back here. I don't think they're going to bounce back that far. Um, but I, I would definitely expect them to be better than next year or better than last year, excuse me. Um, yeah, that game over in um, Dublin that they opened the season against Nebraska, um, yeah, that's uh, kind of an interesting game, and I think that's going to set the tone for both of those teams. Uh, yeah, both teams have to be looked at that as a winnable game, and they better win winnable games. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I kind of go back to uh, last year and, um, you know, this will kind of segue into the final team. Uh, There was a week zero game, about the only halfway interesting game was um, Illinois and Nebraska. And at that point, you know, everybody was already like, well, you know, is Scott Frost going to make it through this season? And, uh, you know, Illinois, they had Brett Bielema that they brought in for his uh, first season there. Uh, and, uh, you know, nobody expected much out of the Illini. And all they did was beat Nebraska on that opening week. Yep. And that just kind of 
seemed to start the spiral for the the spiral for the corn huskers, and you know after that you're like no way Frost makes it through the season, or if he does, you know he's certainly not back after this. Um, and for Illinois, uh, you know they went on to win five games, which you know considering where they came from, that was good. Yeah. Um, so we'll see if it ends up being kind of a, a repeat for Northwestern, if they can get a big win, you know, way overseas in Dublin against uh, Nebraska, and whether or not that'll be the final nail for Scott Frost. But uh, I just kind of had to go into the parallel that I saw there uh, between last year's uh, Week Zero opening game and the one this year. Uh, I think it's a good one. Well, uh, the last thing we want to look at is Illinois. Brett DeLima... You know, was part of that winning culture in Wisconsin. Tried to take it to Arkansas. That didn't work. Had a good start last year in Illinois. Do you, do you think he is going to try to reshape the Illini to look a lot like Wisconsin? Uh, yeah, I definitely think. Yeah, Brett Bielema, I'll just say this about him. I, I believe he knows how to win in the Big Ten. Um you certainly did. Yeah, I, you know, I think again, not to not to put too much stock into the close losses because you know we just did that with Nebraska. Um, of their seven losses, four of them were by seven points or less. Uh, so they were close in a lot of games. Uh, two of their five wins came against ranked opponents who they beat on the road: um, Penn State and Minnesota. And so, you know, it, it seemed like they really took a step forward with him last year. I, you know, again, he's one of those guys that can kind of have a bit of an abrasive personality. Um, you know, he's not going to win any awards from the press for, you know, being the best interview ever. But, you know, uh, he just know, he knows Big Ten football. I just, uh, I think he knows how to win. Um, I do think just like every other Big Ten West school, it's going to make it a lot harder for him when they scrap the divisions. And, um, yeah. you know, it'll be interesting to see what the Big Ten ends up doing with uh, when they get rid of the divisions, how they work the scheduling formats. Because um, there's a lot of, uh, there's already a lot of discussion about that. Um as to how many uh, protected games you're going to have per season. Because the Big Ten is, uh, you know, they have a lot of trophy games. Yes, <laughs> literally, trophy games. You, yeah, you, know, you have, um, you know, just to go to the opposite ends of the spectrum on where the opinions on how to schedule come, you've got Iowa who has three games that they want to protect annually, uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Nebraska who even though, you know, they've only been there a little more than 10 years, Iowa feels like they've got a pretty good rivalry with them going. They are Yeah, they've states. got that Friday after Thanksgiving slot. Yes, yeah. And so, you know, they want to protect all three of those games. On the other end of the spectrum, you have Penn State, who, you know, despite being in that conference for, you know, about 30 years now, they're like, you know, we've just never really developed any rivalries. We don't want any protected games. We want to be able to have as many of the Big Ten teams come cycling through here as often as possible. And so it'll be interesting to see how they do that. My hunch is they're probably going to uh, assign a protected game uh, for each team, two of them per season. So Iowa, I think, you know, 
in listening to Gary Barta, their AD, I think he's kind of pragmatic about it. He knows he's not going to be able to protect all three of those games that they'd like. Um, I think he's hoping for two of them, and I think that's what he'll get. I mean, the one thing is they will guarantee one protected opponent every year because Ohio State has to play Michigan every year, not just because it's a big rivalry game. That game is just worth way too much money to the Big Ten uh, to not play every year. They've got their new uh, TV contract that they'll probably be announcing very shortly here. And you know the networks that are paying them, you know, millions, billions of dollars want to make sure that there is going to be an Ohio State-Michigan game to have on TV every year. Because that last season, that was the most watched regular season game of the year. Um, it drew in well over 4 million viewers, um, which is kind of the benchmark for that you want to hit for the, new you know, the really big games. It, it, was, it is. It's, um, you know, Ohio State has dominated it in recent years, but uh, you know, Michigan finally broke through last year. But, you know, it, it's an important game to a lot of people. But again, the money, it's just way too important money wise. Uh, but I think they're probably going to give each team uh, two annual opponents who you will play every year. And then your remaining seven games a season, you'll have uh, all the other teams kind of cycle it. And it guarantees if you're a player, um, you know, you come in as a freshman, and if you stay there four years, you will have had every single Big Ten team come and play you at yeah. home. And I think that's what they want to do because uh, that would make. Uh, I'm trying to remember who it was. I think it's Iowa. They go and play Ohio State uh, this year in Columbus, and that is the first time they will have been there since 2013. Oh. Almost 10 years. Yeah. That's, so that's just kind of weird, you know? Yeah. Well, and you know, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about Ohio State-Michigan. You know, if they go to the model of having the top two teams in the conference playing the championship game, you could see Ohio State-Michigan back-to-back weeks. Absolutely. Isn't that interesting? It's interesting. And, um, you know, again, I think the TV networks will love it. Oh, yeah. um, as long as it doesn't know, happen regularly. And it's not likely to, but, you know, if it, were, it was every year, you know, just like Alabama and Georgia might eventually get older in the SEC if they do it every year, right? You've got to mix it up a little bit. But occasionally you'd be like, oh, one of the most enjoyable experiences I've ever had watching a game on TV is a year, many years ago, I went to a local sports bar and watched the Ohio State-Michigan game. This was in Frederick, Maryland, but the place was full of a mix of Ohio State and Michigan fans, and it was so entertaining. And it was a good, I forget who won the game, but it swung back and forth. So I just watched the fans react as much as I did the game. It was very entertaining. I probably know which game you're talking about. Was it 2006? I think it was 04. Okay. This was, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just tell a quick story. This was when I was living in Maryland, and I had season tickets to the Terps. And every year, uh, my group, we would take a road trip for one of their games. And um, in 2006, we went to see the, uh, we went to Boston to see them play Boston College. And that was after, you know, they had joined the ACC. And uh, that was the same day that Ohio State and Michigan played. Ohio State was number one. Michigan was number two. And so 
there was not yet a Big Ten championship game. So whoever won that game was going to get to play whoever they didn't know yet for the national champion. And there was also a lot of talk about, well, if it's a close game, shouldn't the loser, you know, still get to play and they have a rematch? That never happened. But um, uh, Maryland just absolutely got their doors blown off at Boston College, which turned out to be a good thing because we um, went ahead and left that game a little bit early and went to a sports bar that was close by. Um, you know, the stadium there at Boston College, and we actually got to catch the start of that game, uh, the Ohio State-Michigan game. It was um, Troy Smith, who uh, was eventually drafted by the Ravens. He was the uh, quarterback for Ohio State that year. I think he won the Heisman. That's the season he won the Heisman Trophy. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that the, and that that bar was absolutely packed. Most of it was with, you know, Maryland fans who were completely disgusted by, you know, what they yeah. just saw, but they're like, Hey, let's at least hope we get to see a good game here. And right, it did turn out to be a, it turned out to be a fantastic game. Yeah. Okay. Well, Mike, we need to wrap this up. So I'm going to throw my pick out there first. So nobody can think I'm just copying you. I'm like, Oh yeah, my turn. I'm going Wisconsin. I like them this year. The return of the division championship. How about you? Uh, I'm going to go against the grain, and I think uh, it's going to be Purdue. Oh, all right. Uh, Pencil that one in. uh, You know, I I do. uh, I definitely think they got to get the uh, running game going, like you said. But I think they uh, have the ability to be a lot more dynamic on offense. Um, I think they'll be able to replace the production they lost in Karloftis on defense. They still have a lot of experience returning. And I go back to uh, what I mentioned about their schedule. I think their schedule sets up for them very well. Um, That Wisconsin game on the road will be tough. Uh, They do get Iowa at home. Um, but I, I think the schedule sets up for them very well. And when you look at the early season schedule, it's not a, out of the question that, you know, they could start seven and zero before they have to head to, uh, Madison. Um, I think Madison is their, or, um, excuse me, Wisconsin is their eighth game of the season. And, uh, I would not be shocked if they were seven and zero by then. Wow. That's, that would probably be a prime time game. And that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I just, you know, we didn't talk about Paul Christ in Wisconsin. I love him. Uh, you know, and isn't it interesting when, when you get past Jim Harbaugh, there's sure ain't a lot of charisma in the coaching ranks in the Big Ten. They just seem to win. And that that works in the Big Ten. It doesn't work in the SEC, but it sure works in the Big Ten, doesn't it? It does, yeah. The, they definitely have a personality. Um, yeah, I guess uh, Harbaugh... Maybe Greg Schiano. Maybe. Eh. Yeah. 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 You know, it's like you 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 look at their uh, press guide photos, and you're like, well, maybe that guy's a janitor, or that guy looks like a high school <laughs> vice principal, or something. Yeah, they do. You know, they line up like that. Yeah. 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 Or yeah. you know, I I always said guys Brett, there too. I always said Brett Bielema was the second coming of Curly Howard. Um, <laughs> oh, rough. I, I'm not arguing with you, but that's rough. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, okay. yeah, yeah. Well, on that high brown note, we'll leave it. 
And uh, next week, I mean, I love Lucy and Three Stooges on the same show. Yeah, we are, I think it's probably time to end this now. <laughs> yeah, it probably is. Let's not do any more damage. Uh, next week, we're going to mix it up a little bit. We want to come back and look at some of the new coaches around the country. Who we think is going to be uh, exciting and winning, and who maybe made a mistake, swung on and missed. We will see. And we'll both have some opinions, I'm sure. We'll look forward to that. Mike, always a great discussion. Always fun talking college football to you. Uh, we'll see you next week. You bet, Jim. Have a great week. See you uh, next Wednesday. All right. Take care, everybody.